0: Welcome to Maximizing Destiny with Dr. Michael Hutton-Wood from the House of Judah. The Leadership Factory, raising generational leaders, impacting the nations. And now, here is Dr. Michael Hutton-Wood.
1: Glory to God, glory to God. Would like to welcome you to join us for our Financial Freedom Masterclass that is coming on via Zoom. On the 27th of March, 2021, it's going to be an awesome session. where We're going to teach you how to pay off your of mortgage within 6 to 10 years, how to be debt-free and maintain your debt-free status, how to build a business, administer organization that will last and outlast you, and how to create financial reserves to finance your business. Don't want to miss this Financial Freedom Masterclass. The registration fee is only £30 and you can register at www.michaelhartonwood.org. That is michaelhattonwood.org. You need to register and you need to register now. I'm telling you, your life will never remain the same. Register now at michaelhattonwood.org the Financial Freedom Masterclass. Looks well to see you live on Zoom on the 27th of March, 2021. God bless you and share and invite others. Hello, hello, hello. Glory to God, glory to God, glory to God. You are all welcome. You are welcome to lunch hour With High Achievers, the platform for achievers. You are all welcome. It's a great joy to have you all joining us today. My goodness, it's going to be an awesome opportunity to be empowered and to be blessed to fulfill our vision. So once again, you are all welcome, all our guests and our friends on Instagram and Facebook and everyone watching on YouTube. You are all welcome. <laughs> I can see <laughs> the giants have, 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 have showed up on this platform today. This is serious. <laughs> Glory to God. Abby Beland, God bless you. You are welcome. Joseph Waller, you're welcome. Matthew Baka. You are welcome. Apostle Claire Revealed is joining us from the Netherlands. Glory to God, Apostle. Thank you for joining us today all the way from the Netherlands, Rotterdam. God bless you, Apostle. God bless you. Mama B, God bless you. She's right there as usual. More power to you, Mama B, for the great work that you are doing. God bless you. Kuram Shazad, God bless you. Thank you for joining us again. Rafiq, God bless you, Rafik Ismail, you are welcome, God bless you, Kind. God bless you for joining us once again, glory to God, Noel, you are welcome, God bless you, Dion Campbell, you are welcome, wow, Apostle <laughs> Demetrius, God bless you, Brother Demetrius, Apostle, I'm just trying to find the title to give you now. Brother Demetrius, God bless you, God bless you for joining us, God bless you, God bless you. Jay Jacobes, you are welcome from South Africa. Jay is watching from Pretoria, God richly bless you. Once again, God bless you. Abaz BTL is watching from Instagram, God bless you. I'd like to welcome every one of you. Please start sharing, start sharing, start sharing. Create and watch party as we're going along. Share this with somebody. Share this on your timeline. Tell somebody. Tag somebody. And share this on your timeline. The right way is what Mama B has just put there. To God be all the glory. We slept and we awoke for the Lord sustained us. We are grateful. So once again, you are all welcome. Thank you for joining me and my guest today. KJ Sparkles, you are welcome. On Instagram, God bless you. Now I have with me my guest today, Apostle Brandon Bailey. My goodness, we are honored to have Apostle with us. Apostle, you are welcome. Hey, Bishop, thank you so
2: much for having me on your platform. I'm (laughs) excited for what God will do here today.
1: Oh wow, it's a privilege. We consider it a great privilege and an honor to have been following your work in South Africa and across the nations and it's an honor to have you accept uh, the invitation, the invite to be with us uh, today So God bless you Ladies and gentlemen, we have with us Apostle Brandon Bailey You don't want to watch this program by yourself You need to get other people to be edified To be built up, to be lifted To become the achievers that God has called them to be So please Don't forget the three T's. Tell somebody, tag somebody, share this on your time. I wanted to invite as many people as you know, even invite your enemies so they can leave you alone because after they hear what you are going to hear, they will stay busy and focus on what they need to do. Glory to God. The, 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 The best way to annoy your enemy is to keep producing results because results cancels insults. Results cancels insults. Results cancel mm-hmm. info. So you're gonna get powerful keys to generating results uh today from our guest, Apostle Um Brandon Bailey. <laughs> glory to God, glory to God. Now, my guest today, Apostle Brandon Bailey, Apostle Claire says, shared. Please keep sharing. Apostle has shared. Let's all keep sharing. Let's all keep sharing. Many more people must benefit from this session. My guest today, Apostle Brandon Bailey, who along with his wife Marilyn Bailey are the founders of Telios Church. That sounds like a Greek word. I'll come into we'll talk about it in a minute. Telios Church based in Johannesburg, South Africa. He provides apostolic oversight to many who relate and connect with him in his apostolic capacity. He is also the presiding apostle of Kingdom Impact International Network, an international apostolic body based in Vancouver in Canada. He is the founder of the Telios Quarterly Schools of Ministry and acts as the primary resource developer in these schools, which cover various ecclesiastical content. The content from these schools have gone to nations such as India, Pakistan, and South Sudan. He is an international conference speaker and author, and his deep passion is to bring the body of Christ to a place of maturity. Wow, what a powerful profile. What a powerful profile. So ladies and gentlemen, from what you have heard, this is somebody who's qualified to speak into our lives, to edify us, build us, and instruct us, and inform us, and impact us. So you don't want to... Uh, participate in this by yourself only. So, right, up. Kenneth Dean Jacobs, you are welcome. Apostle, once again, you are welcome. Could you tell us what inspired you and your wife to set up these ministries that we have just mentioned—the Telios Church, um, the uh, Kingdom Impact International Network, the Telios Quarterly Schools of Ministry? What uh, inspired you? and your wife to set up these ministries. One well, of, Once again, okay, thank you I. once again for the platform and the opportunity.
2: You know, I hold you and your dear wife, uh, Pastor Bandis, in very high esteem. Uh, you know, as we travel to West Africa and connect with some of the people in the UK, they speak very highly of you. And oh. it's through my friends in the nation of Ghana that I learned about your ministry. So uh, I'm very humbled to be on this platform with you and your dear wife. Thank you for hosting me. Well, to go to your question of Thelios Church, Telius Church was started about, I think this year will be 12 uh, 12 years ago, we started Thelios Church. Uh, I'm originally out of a denominational church, and uh, I was the associate pastor in a local denominational church, and it was during that period where God spoke to me to start this Telius Church. Uh, the name Thelios comes from Hebrews chapter 6, verse 1, that says, Let us go unto maturity. And that word maturity is the Greek word teleos. It means to be perfected, to be made complete, to be fully furnished. When God gave me the mandate for this ministry, one of the things that God said to me in no uncertain terms was that he has mandated me to bring his people to a mature place of understanding as far as their journey, their walk, with God is concerned. And so telios focuses exclusively on maturing the believer in the understanding and in the things of God. And so that ministry came about purely by divine instruction from God that he needs me to raise up a generation in maturity. Hebrews chapter six is one. Let us go unto perfection. Let us go unto teleos. Let us go unto maturity. And that is the foundational text of that verse. And by the grace of God, we've been able over the past 12 years to do exactly that, you know, to teach the matured word of God and to bring people to a place of maturity because one of the things that we've determined is that if there's no mature understanding in how we engage our purpose, how we engage the agenda of the kingdom, then we will consistently disappoint God and drop the ball as far as our mandate in the earth is concerned. So we're raising up mature believers. The uh, School of Ministry, uh, I graduated from Bible school in 2004, and uh, I'm grateful to God for that. But one of my frustrations when I graduated from Bible school was that So much of the content is theoretical and not practical. Mm -hmm. And it became a frustration that I wrestled with for many, many years, you know. And so being a Bible school graduate, uh, I always wrestled with the fact that we have all this massive terminology, good theory, but it was just not practical. And and that became a frustration for me. And uh, I wrestled with it for years until I decided instead of just being frustrated, perhaps I should actually write certain things for the body of Christ, produce content for the body of Christ and literature that makes it plain, that makes it easy for people to grasp, easy for people to understand. And so I'm from the apostolic stream of the church. And, you know, when you're in the apostolic stream, we have these complex concepts. And uh, I felt that, you know what, people are not getting us. People are not getting what we are Are As usual. Yeah. And so I decided to launch the Tellio School of Ministry with the objective being to simplify these things, to break it down so that the ordinary man on the street can understand it, but also the guy that is seasoned and learned in the things of God. And so the idea was to bridge that gap, basically, where with one stone you are able to kill two birds, you know, reach the informed, seasoned vessel of God, but also make it interesting for the guy that is just starting out on his journey. And that was how we started the Telio School of Ministry to simplify these complex, complex concepts. And we've been running with it now for a very long time. And I decided to just develop content because, you know, we can be frustrated and just stay there. So our frustration must give birth to something. You cannot just be frustrated and not produce something that will eliminate those frustrations. And so I said instead of just venting, perhaps I should be writing something. Mm -hmm. And that was how we started the Telio School of Ministry, the apostolic network. I I formed part of an apostolic network. I submit to Apostle Michael Scantlebury. And uh, after years of serving him faithfully, uh, about two years ago, he came to me and he said to me, listen, uh, I'm I'm much older now. You have served me faithfully over the years. Uh, We have a relationship that spans about 15 years. I think we've been together for 15 years now. And he said to me that because he's aged and because he's now focusing on something else, he felt that it was time to hand the network over to me after 15 years of faithful service. And so I took over the network from the man that I submit to, and that is how it came about with me having this apostolic network. Of course, under that scope, there's a lot of pastors in our local context context and also on the continent that have reached out to me to father them, to mentor them, and that then helps me to serve them, so that they, they are not absorbed in Telios Church, but they maintain their own autonomy. And yet, at the same time, I'm able to be a resource for them in their journey and in their walk with God. So those is how those three uh,
1: dynamics of my ministry came about. Wow, ladies and gentlemen, I trust that <laughs> such a powerful foundation. You can tell <laughs> what's about to happen on this platform <laughs> glory to god glory to god my goodness devon bailey you are welcome god bless you god bless you. mommy t love you are also welcome glory to god we appreciate every one of you jackson you are welcome kenneth dean jacobs you are welcome once again rafik ismail god bless you thank you all for joining us please keep sharing 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 and inviting many more people to come and benefit from this powerful apostolic truths. Now, you mentioned about mentorship. How important is mentorship? Import- uh, mentorship, how important is the power of covering for ministers, for believers? The, uh, mentorship, spiritual fatherhood, and uh, um, the power of covering in the body of Christ. One of the things I always tell people is mentorship is the
2: knowledge without the pain. It Mm. is the knowledge. Mm. That's a good one. That's a good one. Uh, Because generally when you go through life, to get to certain levels in your understanding, to certain levels in your journey with God, there's always a level of pain you have to endure to give birth to that. And so what mentorship does is mentorship gives you the knowledge that was acquired through pain without you having to go through that level of pain. And Mm. I believe it is crucial for us to have mentors in our journey because mentors help us to avoid certain portals in the road so that we don't go through those things and we have a sense of awareness as to where we are going. So mentorship, I'll I'll reiterate that, it is the knowledge Without the pain. Because if you have a mentor, you don't make the sacrifice for that knowledge. If you have a mentor, you don't make the sacrifice for that experience. That is literally just a deposit into your spirit. And the, the beauty of that is that it makes the journey to the promised land shorter for you. I mean, you are seasoned man of God, uh, Bishop Buttonwood, and I'm sure for you to get to where you are, uh, you had to pay certain a certain price. It took you a long time to get there. But anybody that comes under your covering, there's a level of knowledge you have acquired that, shorts, that it makes the journey much shorter for them because you're not able to tell them that you don't have to do X, Y, Z. You can just do this and get to that level. And so I believe that is why mentorship is so crucial. But also there's a distinction between a mentor and a father. A mentor generally focuses on our career. A mentor generally focuses on our calling, on our assignment, on our work. A father focuses on us as a person. And this is where a lot of people don't understand the distinction. This means that a father will give you a relationship, but a mentor will give you knowledge, and he does not necessarily owe you a relationship. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. many individuals do not understand that because a mentor can come into your life. He can speak solely to your assignment. Whereas a father is different because... He has vested interest in you beyond your career, beyond what you want to achieve, beyond what you want to attain. And so that is generally where the relationship is much deeper. And this is why I always say that we will have more people we mentor, but we will have fewer people we father. Mm -hmm. And if we can make that distinction at the end of the day, it will also help us then to manage those relationships accordingly. Because over the years, I've noticed a lot of people want mentorship. And when they don't get what a father gives, they become frustrated and they pull away. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they don't understand that the only thing they wanted was knowledge, was a resource, you know. So somebody can mentor you through his tapes. He can mentor you through his television ministry. He can mentor you through his books. He can mentor you through an online platform like Facebook. Mm-hmm. However, fathering requires a deeper relationship. And as a father, I believe we have to speak into people's lives beyond their ministry beyond their work. This is now where Father comes in and He speaks into your marriage. Uh, He speaks into the habits that might sabotage you down the line. He speaks to you in terms of how you raise your children. He speaks to you in terms of you needing to get rest. And so it's a very different dynamic at the end of the day, and I think sometimes we confuse the two. So I can mentor somebody purely with my resources and my content, but I can't father somebody only with my content. The difference also is proximity. Because a father walks closely with you as a person. And a father will be around even if you don't have the career dynamic to you anymore. A mentor will be around as long as you have the career and the business objectives and the goals. And that is how we make that distinction. So in life, we'll have more people we mentor, but helping fewer people we father. And if we can understand that, then we also will be able to manage our expectations, our emotions, and give people what they need and not go beyond that. But people also need to be clear. Do they want career guidance or do they want you to step into their private space? Because even to father somebody, they need to give you permission.
1: Absolutely. That's a good one. That's a very powerful statement, right? That's that's deep. Mentorship is knowledge without pain. Uh, There's a difference between mentor, a mentor and a father. You know, there are people who sometimes say things like, uh, um, uh, my father doesn't call me, uh, my mentor doesn't call me. Now who needs who needs who <laughs> who should chase who who should yes, chase sir. who <laughs> okay. go ahead who should chase who i think we need to go into details about this father and mentor uh thing is 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 very powerful sometimes we confuse the two this is my father yeah. is my mentor so who chases who and and elaborate on that. For the, yeah. everyone online to understand the difference between a father, a spiritual father, and a mentor. So that we can manage our expectations properly mm-hmm. and not get offended and leave prematurely. Yeah. And, and that, that's a
2: profound what, the question that you're asking. Because the example that immediately comes to mind for me is the relationship between mm-hmm. Elisha and Elijah. Mm-hmm. The scripture says that Elijah was on his way to be taken up by God, but Elisha would not leave him. And on several occasions, he said to Elisha, leave me, do not follow me. And Elisha mm. said, I would not leave you. And he literally cliffed and cl- clinged to him. And yeah. so I think what is critical at the end of the day is that we must, one of the things that I always tell people is that it's difficult for anybody to mentor you or to father you if you show no interest. Mm. Mm, absolutely. And so, and, and, and so interest is always from the bottom up. It is not always from the top down. And mm. if somebody is this interested, it is easy for a father to abandon that person because that person does not show a hunger, a desire or an appetite to grow, to learn, to absorb. And so for me, I believe that a disciple should always be in pursuit of the master mm-hmm. at the end of the day. And what a lot of people do not understand is that sometimes a father will deliberately or a mentor will deliberately ignore a mentee to see his appetite. Absolutely. That's powerful. And and, and that is not necessarily a form of punishment, but it is to see if there's a commitment and a dedication to pursuing that relationship. So Mm. what I'm saying is if you are the one that's growing and reaching higher, you still have a lot to learn. You should be the one that is in pursuit of that. Whereas a man that has been there, done that, he can exist without... Having you, you know it sounds a bit harsh the way I'm putting it but but, but that mentor can exist without having you in his life but you might not be able to continue without having that mentor in your life. So people should constantly be in pursuit of knowledge, and that pursuit of knowledge then makes it easier for a mentor to come in and to say, let me impart. And generally, it's always a test of dedication. It is always a test of hunger. It is always a test of commitment. Uh, I, I mean, what my spiritual father, for example, uh, Dr. Scantlebury, our we met was so interesting because I was just reaching out to their office to, to buy a book. I just needed a book at a time, wanted to pay for the book, and I, I needed him to send the book. And we started having conversation, but I was so intrigued by the things that he was sharing with me that that conversation became conversations day after day, and it was not him speaking to me. It was me calling him. It was me writing him an email. It was me asking him certain things as I was learning and, and growing in my journey. And that thing evolved to the stage now where there's a level of reciprocity in the relationship. Mm -hmm. But I have to show him that I'm interested. And that interest that I showed was then also a sign for him that I'm a worthy investment, you know. Mm -hmm. Uh, Because I was so interested, he realized that he's not throwing his pearls to swine. And it became easier for him to come into my space because I showed interest first. And he was now in a position where he could reciprocate the self. But the same to me. So I think it is important that we understand the pursuit. Again, going back to the example, Elisha was in pursuit of Elijah. And and it's interesting in that portion of scripture that Elijah rebukes him. He says, leave me. Leave me. Don't follow me. That's leave right. Me, don't follow <laughs> me. And yeah. he says, I will not leave you. I will yeah. not leave you. I will not leave you. And that desperation gave him a double portion. That desperation gave him a double portion. Yeah. And when you get scripture, the last miracle of Elijah is the first miracle of Elisha. But it was their desperation that gave him a double portion. So the question that I'm asking people, are you interested? Mm. Do you want it? Are you desperate for it? And even when they reject you, will you show that you are not backing off? Because desperation
1: and pursuit always brings a reward. Mm. Wow. I believe that you are all being empowered and being blessed. By this powerful truth our guest today is apostle Brandon Bailey from Johannesburg South Africa I'm telling you I'm being blessed it's always good to hear people speak uh, about things that you believe in which you teach <laughs> glory to God glory to God it's a great joy to have you with us apostle so, apostle Bailey God bless you I'm honored also to have uh, on the platform my mentor Bishop Kinsley Joshua Akutubanfu, the general overseer of Powerland Chapel, is with us today. Bishop Joshua Kinsley Akutubanfu, our mentor, God bless you. It's a privilege to have you, your busy schedule, and yet you've made time to join us on this platform. God bless you, God bless you. Please, if you're watching, uh make sure you... Put that clap icon. Press that clap icon. Amen. Let's appreciate and honor our mentor, Bishop Joshua Akuto Bamfo. uh He's been with us for over 20 years, mentoring us. We salute yourself for being on this platform. We are also. Uh, we also have Pastor Dorcas Boatin all the way from the Netherlands joining us. Apostle Claire is with us. Jet Jackson is with us. God wisely bless every one of you for joining us today. Dimitrios is with us, Minister Dimitrios. Jay Jacobes is also with us today. My goodness, God wisely bless you. Deborah Johnson is with us. Nana Poku is also with us. Neris Hudson, God bless you. Salome, God wisely bless you all. Mommy T, God bless you all. Thank you all for joining us. And please keep sharing, keep sharing. This is such good stuff. Such good stuff. I came across this statement which I mentioned years ago. When the student is ready, the teacher will teach. Mm. <laughs> when the student is ready, the teacher will teach. See, like my mentor on the platform, all my mentor, most of the mentors, those that I look up to learn from from a distance, to their messages, to their books. They live outside London. I travel to where they are. They don't travel to me. <laughs> You need what your mentor and your father has, so you pursue. You are the one. We must be the one who pursue the ones who have what we need to get us to our destination. So it's absolutely necessary. Everyone watching on this platform is very important for us to understand this truth that a mentor in your life gives you speed, gives you acceleration. You don't have to go through what they went through to learn from what they have gone through. They give you speed. They give you acceleration from the experience and from their wisdom. Mentorship is crucial and fatherhood is absolutely crucial. And Apostle, you mentioned Elijah and Elisha. When Elisha asked for the double portion, he said, if you see me go, in other words, you can't be working with me just temporarily (laughs) because of something that you are looking for just for today, stomach direction. If you can hang around me, and very often mentors can be very harsh as part of their training process. It's part of the training. Bible says, endure hardness as a good soldier of Christ. I remember there was a time in my life when I wanted to give up in ministry. So I visited my mentor, Bishop Banfu in East London. And I said to him, you know something? I was a teacher before now. Things are not going well. So I'm going back to teaching. <laughs> one statement, one statement sent me back in. Go back to Croydon. And do what I've told you to do. End of story. No, no comforting, no pampering, no, no. Go back to crying and do what I've told you to do. And I've been doing that ever since. So ladies and gentlemen, the first experience and encounter that Elisha had with Elijah was enough to put Elijah off. But the question is, how desperate are you for what your mentor carries to empower you to become all that you're called to be? What am I to do with you? Just because Elijah said, let me go and tell my parents I'm about to follow you. So sometimes mentors and fathers purposefully, like you said, deliberately will do things, will, will, will present certain things in such a harsh manner just to test you and to see what is in you. You don't give up. You press on and make sure you become everything that God has called you. Do you want to weigh in on what I just said about yeah. I think also
2: one of the things we have to guard against when it comes to mentorship doc is that a lot of us want a preferred personality mm-hmm. when we are in pursuit of content. And one of the things we have to understand is that God deposits content in whosoever he wishes. And he does not necessarily cut that personality or configure that personality to the type of person we would like. And what I've picked up in ministry is that a lot of us do not know how to overcome personality indifferences mm. so that we can get to the substance of what we need for our journey. Uh, we rather want the person to adjust who they are in terms of their personality. <laughs> and we miss the spiritual dynamic of that relationship. I mean, Jesus, for example, was a very complicated leader. But the Bible says that, 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 that 72 came back and Jesus started making crazy statements. One of that statements was that, You have to eat my flesh, you have to drink my blood if you want to be part of me. And the scripture says says, that day many disciples left him. That day many disciples left him because he was a very complicated personality and it was not easy to grasp what type of person he was. Uh, And a lot of people could not manage his personality, so they missed out on the spiritual deposit that was necessary for them to move from point A to point B. We have unfortunately produced a generation that is so easily offended, that is so oversensitive that if they pick up one indifference in terms of your personality – They use that to judge the sum total of who you are and the sum total of what you carry. And they sort of eliminate themselves from having a harvest because they have submitted and yielded themselves to the grace and the anointing on your life. And so what I've picked up with God over the years is that God will sometimes make a rich deposit in a complicated personality. And our job is to get beyond that so that we can draw and absorb what we have to so that we can go to the next level. Now the the the, the 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 crazy part is this. The disciples that left Jesus that day did not become part of history. Mm. But the ones that remained with him, they became part of history, and we now read about them in the Acts of the Apostles and we read about them throughout the Bible. And here's the thing, if you don't know how to overcome the character indifferences with your leader, you might miss out on a preferred history or destiny that mm-hmm. God had ordained for you. So our generation, one of the things that we need to overcome is wanting perfection, perfection. Uh, Instead of just overcoming certain things so that we can get to the substance of the spirit, get that rich deposit, and become history makers in the process. And so whenever I read that scripture, I read it from this perspective. The ones that left missed out on writing history because yeah. they could not process the complex personality that Jesus Christ was in the earth. And Jesus was complicated because he says, Eat my flesh, drink my blood. If you want to leave, leave now. <laughs> He yeah. looks to the ones that remain and he says to them, do you want to join them? That's not an easy leader to follow. That, <laughs> exactly. That's really not an easy leader to follow, you know. <laughs> and uh, But because they were determined to see this thing through and they were determined to abide with this man, irrespective of how complicated his conversations are, irrespective of how hard it is to grasp what he's trying to deposit, they became history makers, and so sometimes God will put a rich deposit in a complicated individual, and if you cannot overcome his personality type, you will miss out on the spiritual deposit that has been preordained for you before the foundations of the earth.
1: Oh, wow. Awesome. Awesome. I'm going to take, um. um this is powerful. Apostle says, Apostle Claire says, you know, I believe in mentorship and honor fathers and mothers, but I feel there's too much talk on what the mentees and children should do and very little on how mentors, fathers, and mothers or what mentors, fathers, and mothers should do. Can you weigh in on that? She says, you know, I believe in mentorship, honor and honor fathers and mothers, but I feel there's much talk on what the mentees and children should do and very little on how the responsibilities of fathers and mentors and spiritual mothers to those that you are mentoring or they are protégés. You want to weigh in on that?
2: Yeah, I weigh in on that. So one of the things, that, and I and I absolutely get where Apostle Clare is coming from, because yeah. I do think there's been some extremes as far as this conversation yeah. is concerned. Yeah. Yeah. And there's no way we can tiptoe around the extremes and the abuses that comes with us. But here's what I will say. One of the things, one of the core functions of fatherhood, one of the core functions of fatherhood is depositing identity into a son. That is one of the core functions of a father. When you look at the Old Testament of Scripture, it is quite interesting that a man would be on his deathbed, he's busy dying, and what would they do? They would rush in the children to stand around the bed so that he can make a prophetic deposit in them before he dies. Now, I looked at that scripturally, and I found it very interesting. And, you know, I looked at it, and I said, here's a man that's dying. And the, the only thing the family could think of, this is ancient patriarchs in Israel. The only thing the family can think of is get everybody in there so that he can deposit a blessing upon them hmm. before he dies. Now, if you fast forward into our cultural context, that would be seen as insensitive. That would be seen like a man is dying, and you want him to pray and deposit a blessing on <laughs> him. What's wrong? Yeah. you know? But here's the principle, fathers deposits identity. And when we understand that the premise of fatherhood is the deposit of identity and that identity is what will establish ministry, what will establish legacy, then it becomes easier for us to reconcile the relationship between father and son. The problem is, as we said in our opening address, is that we're not, always clear on what fatherhood entail. And when you look at the sum total of fatherhood is identity because the one thing that Jesus preached throughout his, throughout his journey on the earth, the father and I are one. If you have seen me, you have seen the father. I do only what the father tells me to do. My meat is the work or the word of the father. It was the one thing that he referenced consistently. So the point is that fathers gives identity and that identity, the methodology might differ from camp to camp. It might differ from individual to individual. We have a lot of people that are functioning in ministry, but they don't have an identity because they don't have a father. And this Mm -hmm. unfortunately makes ministry so complicated. And this is what happened to the the sons of Skiva in the book of Acts. The scripture is so profound. It says, Paul, I know, Jesus, I know, but who are you? Mm -hmm. In other words, they were functioning in ministry without an identity. And they became a danger unto themselves. They became a danger unto their generation. So much so that demons even beat them up and demons showed no reverence for them. So mm-hmm. this is what happens in church today. We have people that enter into ministry, jump into ministry because they know how to do it, but they have not been processed and they have not received an impartation of identity. And we have people that are functioning like that and they become a danger to ministry. So the demons then reject the sons of Skiva, even though they knew how to pray, they knew what to pray, uh, they knew how to lay hands, they, they, they have all the right wording but there was no recognition because there was no identity. So fathers gives identity. Mm. And that identity comes about in various shapes, forms, and sizes. The most dangerous place to be in ministry is to be functional without identity. Mm. That is the most dangerous place to be in ministry, to be functional without identity. You, you know, the example that I can think of is when you play football, uh, one of the things that's important is you, you wear the kit, you, you wear the strip of the team. And number two, there's a there's a number on the back of your shirt. If you don't have that, you cannot enter the pitch because identity is so critical. Now, now, the same happens in the spiritual context. If there's no identity, you can be functional, but there will be no recognition, no honor, and there will be absolutely nothing in the spiritual sense of that. So to answer the question is that, yes, Children must pursue, sons must pursue, but the beauty of it all is that that son now functions in a spiritual identity. Think about this. When David comes in and he destroys Goliath, the first question that Saul asks is Mm. whose son is this? Yeah, yeah. Whose son is this? Because even though David had ability, his ability meant nothing until Saul was able to trace his identity. Mm -hmm. And so in the realm of the spirit, identity is more important than functionality. And this Mm -hmm. is what fathers deposit.
1: So in a a church setting, in a church setting, is a pastor a mentor Mm -hmm. to his members or is he a father Mm -hmm. to his members? Or it depends on the way the members see the pastor. Uh, In one of my schools of ministry, and perhaps we
2: should make that resources available as well, I speak about three different types of relationships that exist in the church. Mm -hmm. Uh, And these are three reasons why people join a local church. Number one, people join a local church because of services a church can render. Mm -hmm. That means a church can marry you, a church can bury you, a church can dedicate your children, a church can dedicate your business. There is services. The second reason why people join a church is because they understand the dynamics of networking. And, and networking is where people are drawn to a gift more than to a father figure. Mm-hmm. This means that if somebody loves the way Bishop DeVore Yadepo preach, mm-hmm. they are drawn to him. And those people are not necessarily sons, but they can form part of his network. Because they enjoy his conferences, they go to his conferences, they go to his pastors and leadership training. So there is networking. And then the third aspect is what I call fatherhood. Fatherhood is where there's a kindred spirit, where what is in you resonates with what is in me, where you are able to unlock and give me that identity that I need to go to the next level. Mm -hmm. Revelation is profound. The Bible says that a seal comes and the angels in heaven begins to sing. Who is worthy to open the seals? Who is worthy to open the seals? Jesus comes on the scene. He breaks open the seals. He's able to read the seals. Now, this is how fatherhood works. Fatherhood is the capacity to open up the seals of somebody's spirit so that they can become all that God has called them to be. Services can't do that. A network can't do that. But a father can do that because a father now tells you who you are and you begin to function in that. When Jesus was baptized, the father said, behold, my son, with whom I am well pleased. And that then made him operate at the level he was operating in the earth as a son. And so, again, to come back to the question. There can be people in the local church that are fathered, but the chances are that there can also be people that are just part of the network. This is mentorship, just network. They identify with a gift. And then, of course, there's people that identify with a local church just in terms of services. So these are the three fundamental reasons why people join a local church. Services, networking, and fatherhood. And a father will know his own.
1: Right. A father will know his own. I trust that you are being blessed Wow, wow, this is powerful. Ladies and gentlemen, you definitely need to share this session with as many people as you know. When we finish this, make sure, whilst we are on the program, make sure you keep inviting many more people to join us. We need to tap into the wisdom that Apostle has brought on this platform. This is powerfully loaded, powerfully loaded. And keep your comments and your questions coming. Apostle Claire, thank you very much for that. Uh, contribution and the question right there we are all here to add to what we already know to help us become everything that we are called to be so uh, uh, I've also said three reasons why people join a church let me bring that up um three, three reasons why people join a church people join a church for services for network and for fatherhood fatherhood opens up the seal and well said, what a revelation. And then Deborah says, fatherhood is the capacity to open the seals of someone's spirit so they become all that they are born to be. Now, Apostle, let me ask you this question. Uh, my wife, uh, we're having a chat recently and she asked a question because there are people who, um, let me take it from this angle. Um, you look through the scriptures, you find out there are times when People fight the people that they are sent to, to help them become. For instance, Joseph's brothers. Joseph was sent to them as a preserver of life and a deliverer. But they are the ones who actually envied him, became jealous of him, and sold him into slavery. Meanwhile, he was born to save them, deliver them, preserve them, but they fought him. Similar cases when David came onto the battlefield, and he says, is there not a cause? And the people who resisted him were his own close uh, 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 relatives. Why is it that sometimes people that you are sent to help are actually the ones who oppose you the most, fight you the most? I know that Jesus said a man's enemy shall be uh, <laughs> people from, normally will be people from his own house, or just like he himself experienced uh, from his brothers. Why is that the case where sometimes people uh, uh resist those who uh, are sent to them? The statement my wife made was this from the observation we're making was, why should I chase you to give you what you need? Mm. Mm. Why should I chase you to give you what you need? Why should I chase you and beg you to come for what you need, not I need? Why, why should we chase you? Why should pastors chase people? Why should leaders chase people for what we don't need, but they need? (laughs) Why is that the case? I don't know if you catch my
2: drift. Yeah, yeah, I get you. But let me start at the beginning of your question and the examples that you were using was Joseph, for example. One of the things that, that we have to understand as we journey with God is that some people discern in the spirit and some people discern in the flesh. And what I mean by that is that it is possible for you as a man of God to see somebody for who they are in the spirit realm without them having produced the fruits of their calling yet. So you can pick up somebody and you can say, this guy here, there's a prophetic grace upon his life. I know he has not built anything. He's not done anything. But I can see there's something here and this person will be somebody significant one day. That is discerning by the spirit. Mm -hmm. Uh, This happens with Jesus. Jesus is born the King of kings and the Lord of lords. The wise men come to him. They present him with presents and with everything. He's a baby. He has not conquered any kingdom yet. He has not uh, built an army, a world-renowned structural army. He's just a baby. But at that level, they are able to discern who he is, and they present him with kings' gifts that are reserved for a king. Mm
0: -hmm.
2: On the cross, Jesus is on the cross, and for the first time, after all the miracles is done in the earth, after everything is done in the earth, the Bible says... And the soldiers at the foot of the cross finally recognized that indeed he is the Son of God. Yeah. Now, they had to wait for things to manifest in the natural before they were able to discern that this is indeed the Son of God. And so what happened oftentimes is that because so many people are driven and governed by the flesh, they need things to happen before they appreciate an anointing.
0: And every seed is a forest. And in every follower is a leader. Leaders are not born, but Leaders Are Raised is an insightful book by one of the leading authorities on leadership, Bishop Dr. Michael Huttonwood. People are not disadvantaged. They are just ignorant. Shows you some of the steps and qualitative processes involved in how leaders evolve through nurture and development.
1: Leaders are not born. Millionaires are not born. Wealthy people are not born. They are made. You become what you want to be by the choices you make in life. You were not born rich. I mean, from your mother's womb on your face, rich. System, rich. You may have been born to rich parents, but you were not born rich on your face. You became rich by things you did or became poor by the things you did or did not do. You see, it's all about choices. Live here and start making some changes. What kind of future do you see? Paint your pictures from the scriptures. Pick your future. What kind of business do you want? Ordinary business like everybody else or the one that people travel far and near to look for.
0: Leaders are not born, but leaders are raised in insightful book by Bishop Dr. Michael Huttonwood. Available in paperback and on Kindle, please call 0208-689-6010 or visit www.houseofjuda.org.uk and order your copy today.